thing. So let's stand this morning, join the choir. Amen. This morning in our missionary emphasis, we have Mo and Susan Wildy, and so just want to draw your attention there to the bulletins and their story. Uh, they are serving in the inner city of Indianapolis. Uh, they went there to where they could build relationships with lost people. Uh, the week before they moved in, there were two murders uh, in their neighborhood, and he says it's the type of place where people uh, could buy whatever they wanted, whether that was people or drugs. And so uh, they then developed some plans to, uh, for some community engagement there as a hub that would help to fight those addictions. Uh, and as they did that, they planted churches amongst the people there uh, as they reached out uh, through this movement, the Yeshua Society. And so we want to lift up Mo and Susan uh, Wildy, who are our missionaries serving in Indianapolis, Indiana, in the inner city there. Uh, we also today is the International Day of Prayer for Persecuted Churches and People. Uh, we will be sharing a video with that and some more information on that next Sunday. And so, but we do want to encourage you to be in prayer for them all throughout this week and this month in that whole month emphasis. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for the many blessings that you have given to us. And Father, we thank you that as we give every Sunday, we are giving not only to support the work of our church locally, but also missionaries around the nation and around the world. And so we just ask, Heavenly Father, for your blessings upon our missionaries. We ask especially.
especially that you will bless uh, Mo and Susan Wildey, who are serving there in Indianapolis. We ask, Lord, that you would place a hedge of protection about them, keep them safe uh, from the harm that may be around them. But Lord, pray, we pray that you'll give them vision, uh, wisdom, and discernment uh, of the ministries to reach out to the people and to minister to the people, to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we just pray a special blessing upon them as they are gathering to worship this morning also, as well as all of our missionaries around the world. We ask your blessings upon them. Lord, bless us that we might continue to be a blessing to them, and by being a blessing to them, a blessing to the peoples of this world who do not know Christ as their Lord and their Savior. And Lord, we do pray and uplift prayers for uh, the persecuted church and persecuted Christians around this world. We ask, Heavenly Father, for your blessings upon them. We ask, God, that uh, even as many are know the risks, and yet they are standing for Christ in their communities, Father, we pray that your protection would be upon them. And even through the midst of persecution, we pray, God, that you will bring uh, about your will and bring about your glory and your honor uh, through their faithfulness to continue to serve you. Help us, Lord, uh, to be as bold uh, as they here in our own communities uh, to live our faith in Jesus Christ. So bless us this morning as we come to worship you. Father, I pray that your will will be done, uh, that you'll just use the message, use the songs to speak to our hearts. And may the name of Jesus Christ be uplifted, in whose name we pray, amen. Well, let me just remind you, if you're there at home, you can go to our website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. Go to the far right-hand side. You can click the Give Online tab there. Uh, be sure to do your online giving there, uh, or you can drop it by the church anytime. You can do that here in person, too, or you can put it in the envelope and place it in the offering plate. If you see any of the pink envelopes and you want to give to the Golden Offering for Tennessee Mission still, uh, that's what those uh, are for. So I encourage you to take the time uh, to do that. Uh, I left my more extensive paper in my Bible, uh, but... You'll notice in your bulletin uh, down at the bottom of the back page underneath the missionary story, uh, you'll see there that we are also going to be participating with the Tullahoma uh, Head Start Angel Tree Program this year. Uh, we have 30 of these angels that are on a tree out in the foyer out there, so we want to encourage you to pick up one of those. There are some lists of items on there. We want to encourage you to, to get at least one of those or get one from each one of those things. So uh, they're asking for a shirt and pants size, so get a shirt and a pants, shoes. Uh, that shows their favorite color, and then they have a special request thing uh, like this one has uh, for some Barbies. Uh, each one has a number at the top, and on the back it has a little card. Each one of those cards are numbered. We just ask if you would sign your name or handwrite, print it there, don't just put your signature, uh, so we can know who you are. Which one, that way we'll know which angel you picked up to make sure we get all of those back. Uh, for those who want to help us in getting those gifts. Uh, we ask you to then to get those gifts that are on the front. You keep the angel with the gifts, and then you staple that to your bag, uh, to your gift bag. We'll have some of those back there at the end of the service, uh, also the gift bags. And then you just put that little piece that's on the back with a number and your name in the offering plate that's beside the Christmas tree uh, back there. So uh, we'll be giving you more information about that as we go through the season, but we'll need to get those back uh, about the first week of December. So if you want to participate in the Angel Tree program uh, with Head Start uh, for Tullahoma, we encourage you to pick up one of those. We have 30 of those, and so we want to see all 30 of those uh, gone here very soon. So thank you all for being here. Brother Mike. Well, we've sung about counting our blessings, and now that we know, too, that God's mercies are new every morning, let's sing Great is Thy Faithfulness, number 54 in your hymn.
Children's Church will be gathering on the piano side over here during this next song. Next song that we want to sing before the message is 277, Take My Life and Let It Be Consecrated. And stand with us and join the choir.
more about Jesus than we should any ball game that happened yesterday, shouldn't we? Or last week, or that's coming the next week. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 12, and verse 13 through verse 21. My message is entitled this morning, Overcoming Covetousness, Overcoming Covetousness, and you're going to see how that plays into this passage uh, as we begin this morning. So take your Bibles there, Luke 12, verse 13, down through verse 15. Let's stand as we read God's Word in honor of His Word. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you indeed for your word this morning. And Father, I pray that you will speak very clearly, very plainly, that if there are those who are here this morning who do not know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, may they hear the gospel message this morning that you love us, that you care for us, that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for us so that we could have eternal life from the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And so, Father, I pray that there would be those who would hear that message this morning. Lord, I also pray for many of us who are already believers, who sometimes the things of this world, the cares of this world, uh, the things of, of, of money even can choke out your word in our hearts and in our lives. And so I pray, God, that you will speak very plainly and clearly to our hearts also. Help us, Lord, to hear uh, your word and help us, Lord, to respond in any repentance that needs to be made in our lives. And then also help us, Lord, to be on guard against covetousness ever taking root in our hearts and our lives. So bless your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. How many of you remember the show? I don't even know if it still comes on because we don't watch regular TV much. Uh, who wants to be a millionaire? You remember that show? Uh, I did some research this week and found out that we are a country drowning in millionaires. Did you know that? may not seem like it. It may not be in your family. It may not even be here uh, in this church. Maybe there are. But back in 2002, the estimate is that there were around 5 million Americans with assets of a million dollars or more. And just 10 years before that, there were fewer than half that number. But today, there are about 22 millionaires, 22 millionaires, said that wrong, 22 million millionaires, 22 million millionaires in the U.S. alone. 88% of, of, or 8.8% of U.S. adults are millionaires. 33% of U.S. millionaires are women. Get this uh, fact, having $1 million puts you in the top 10% of wealth in the U.S. There are about 62.5 million millionaires globally. So most of that is here in America, uh, which is an 11.4% increase, though, sent from 2020 to 2020 now. And so here's some good news for those of you who are younger. Did you know that the world's 100 richest individuals earned their first million at the age of 37 on average? Another interesting fact is that the average millionaire is 57 years old. I've got two more years to go. <laughs> Don't know if I'm going to get there. For most people, though, it's hard for us to imagine having even a million dollars, let alone a billion dollars. However, fortunes totaling $1 billion and much, much more are a reality for the richest people in the world. To put that in perspective, the median net worth of all American families in 2019 was 121700 That's the average for all American families, according to the Federal Reserve. 
A billion dollars is nearly 8,217 times that amount. But billionaires are multiplying faster than ever. Today there are more than 19 times the amount of billionaires in the world than there were in 1987. In 1987, there were only 140 people who were in that exclusive billion-dollar club back then. In 2002, there were 267. And today, there are 2,668 billionaires as of March 11th of this year, according to Forbes. Someone or some ones are going to be added to that club on Monday or sometime later uh, when those five numbers are correctly chosen. Right now, the winnings of the largest Powerball lottery ever in the history of the world, the payout right now is $1.9 billion. Nobody won it last night. $1.9 billion. Never in the history of this country has so much money been made so quickly by so many people. You know, wanting to be a millionaire may not be wrong, but it can be very dangerous. And, and you, you know it's amazing how many things we read warning labels on today. We read warning labels that have alerted us to defective car seats or inhaling fumes at the gas station or, or op operating, uh, opening hot radiators. Uh, we have warnings there, drinking even diet soft drinks or smoking cigarettes or wearing seat belts. When's the last time you saw a warning label on a $10 bill? When's the last time you saw it on a stock certificate or, or a bank deposit slip or imprinted on your credit card? Warning, this could lead to dangerous situations. Well, sometimes I think there should be those kind of warnings because there really is a danger to money and material possessions. Now, I know people don't like to hear uh, many times preaching about money, but if I preached about money as much as there is in the Bible about money, I'd probably be preaching every other Sunday uh, on money. Uh, but you may not realize that out of the 38 parables that Jesus gives us, 16 of them dealt with person's relationships to money and material things. So we're going to be studying here and looking at a parable today about a man who God calls a fool. You ever heard the saying that, that a fool and his money will soon part? This is a parable about a man who was a fool not because he would part soon with his money, but because he wouldn't part with his money. This man was a fool not because he had money, but because money had him. This man eventually dies uh, with, with the cancer of covetousness, if you will. And, and so there's some things we can learn uh, tremendously, to uh, valuable lessons here from this man that can help us to relate to money the right way and to make sure that money and material things are right relate, rightly related to us and overcome this issue of covetousness. Here's the first point I want you to get from these verses is to be sensitive to what you want. Be sensitive to what you want. You know, sometimes the things we want can be bad for us. You know, there are things that our kids ask us for sometimes that, that we know they're not ready for yet. And sometimes we ask God for things and we're not ready for it yet. Uh, look back, if you will, here, and we're going to see somebody approached Jesus and said this in verse 13 again. He said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to, in, to divide the inheritance... Uh, with, him, with me. So here is Jesus who's confronted with a choice. Is he going to get down to the nitty gritty of, the, of this inheritance dispute or not? And notice what he says in verse 14. He says to this man, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? In other words, what Jesus was saying is my calling is different from what you're asking of me. I do have something relevant to say to you, but I'm not the one to be drawn into the details of this dispute. And so then he gives a warning about how hazardous this inheritance is and material and money things. And so he says this in verse 15. He said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions 
And, and so notice here, he sees this man who is losing his grip on his portion of the inheritance. And he sees in him some evidence uh, uh, that the hazard of this inheritance is deceiving this man. That's why Jesus refers to, in Matthew's gospel, in Matthew 13 and verse 22, he refers to the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches that choke the Word, that choke the Word of God in a person's life. And so this inheritance was literally lying to this man. Why is, uh, this is why money is so hazardous. It, it lies to us. It tries to deceive us. What is it that, that it was saying? What was money saying? It was saying, if you lose me, you lose a very large part of your life. If you lose me, if you lose me as money, you lose what life can be for you. I am your life. Do you realize how big I am is what money was saying. Uh, life with, with me will be real life, truly life, if you have me. That's what the inheritance was saying to this man. And he was listening to the lie of money and materialism and inheritance. And Paul knew that's what riches say. And that's why he told the rich in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 18 and 19, he said, be rich in good works. Be ready to share. And then verse 19, he says, take hold of that which is truly life. In other words, don't be deceived by the message of money that entices you with the words, I give you life. Your life will be dull and boring and empty if you don't have money. It'll be meaningless and unhappy without me. I am your life. That's why Jesus says in verse 15, one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. You know, the, the common uh, thought today is he who dies with the most toys wins. I'll tell you that's wrong. You don't win. Because there's not a drop of it you can take with you when you die. And so, literally translated, Jesus used two words here. One word means watch out. The other word means be on guard. In other words, he's saying it's a lie. Don't listen to the lie. Take care and be on your guard. So, Jesus is telling us up front that we'd be better put, uh, we'd be better to put our heart on, on maximum alert, if you will, when it comes to covetousness. And the Greek word there for covetousness is also an, an interesting word. It literally means having a thirst for more. That's what covetous means. It refers to the attitude of wanting what you see and wanting more of it once you get it. It's kind of like the lady who moved to the retirement home and she began to stare at this one particular man who had been in the retirement home for years and she would go to breakfast and sit across the table from him and just stare at him. Uh, she would go to lunch and she would sit across the table and she would stare at him. She'd go to dinner and she'd sit across the table and she'd stare at him. And if he went out on the front porch to rock, she would go outside, she would sit in the rocker next to him and just stare at him. She did that for about four days and finally the man said, Lady, why do you keep staring at me? And she said, you look just like my fourth husband. He said, well, how many husbands have you had? She said, three. <laughs> There's something about covetousness that makes it a particularly dangerous sin. First of all, it's a sin that nobody notices. You understand, you could be committing this sin... 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, and nobody would ever know it but you and God. I could be coveting something that belongs to you right now, and you'd never know it. The person sitting next to you could be coveting something you have, but you would never know it. But not only do, you, do, do others not notice it, we don't even notice it ourselves. If there's one sin that doesn't seem to bother any of us, it's this sin of covetousness. Francis Xavier, uh, who was the leader of the Roman Catholic Church many years ago, he was a priest uh, who listened to many confessions. Here's what he said once. He said, and as an older man, I've listened to thousands of confessions, and I've yet to hear a person confess to the sin of covetousness. When's the last time you confessed to God that you had the sin of covetousness in your life? 
Notice also it's an insidious sin. Think about a man who is thirsty taking a drink of salt water. You know what salt water does? It only makes you thirstier. And the more of it you drink, the more of it you want, and the more of it that you, that you have and, and that you take, it'll make you sick until ultimately it will kill you. And that's exactly the point here that Jesus is making in this entire passage. Covetousness is kind of like a cancer, if you will. It's, it's like a leech that'll suck the very life out of you. It can destroy your marriage. It can wreck your family. It can ruin your health and, and, and send you down a road to hell. Now, you don't have to be rich to be covetous. You know, some of the poorest people on earth have that disease flowing through their veins. You don't have to be mean to be covetous. Some of the finest people in the world are, are eaten up with this cancer of covetousness. There's not an easier sin to commit than this sin. Now, in this instance... The man tells Jesus uh, about who was covetous. Uh, he was also a rich man. He wanted more than he already had. Let me ask you this question. Who has greater contentment? A man with seven children or a man with seven million dollars? Which one is more content? The man with seven children or seven million dollars? Well, the answer is the man with seven children because he doesn't want any more. <laughs> The man with seven million, he wants more. And he's always going to want more. You see, the problem with covetousness is that it betrays a misunderstanding of what real life is all about. And that's why Jesus goes on to say there at the end of verse 15, he says, For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Now, I love the way the Living Bible translates this uh, verse. It says, beware, don't always be wishing for what you don't have, for real life and real living are not related to how rich you are. And yet, so many of us, that's all we can think about, getting richer, getting richer. And that's why so many spend money on lottery tickets. So many people today are trapped in the covetousness of things they're so busy making a living, they, they never take the time to make a life. Their philosophy is get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the lid and poison the rest. You know, the point that Jesus was trying to make was simply this. Your worth is never determined by your wealth. Life is more than, than your bank account. Life is more than, than your stocks and your bonds and your 401k. Life is more than the real estate and the house that you have. In, in case you're wondering what life really is about, what life really consists of, listen to these few verses. John chapter 10, verse 10 says, The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. First John chapter 5, verse 12 says, Whoever has the Son has life. You see, life is not found in possessions. Life is found in a person, and his name is Jesus. That's why you have to be sensitive to what you want. Secondly, we need to be satisfied with what we have. Satisfied with what we have. Notice verse 16 goes on. Jesus tells us a parable here about a rich man. It was a man who was foolishly rich, but he was also richly foolish. Notice verse 16. He told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. Now understand... This farmer wasn't a fool because he was rich. He wasn't a fool because he was prosperous and successful. The Bible nowhere condemns well-earned, well-deserved financial prosperity. This man earned what he got. He was honest. He was hardworking. He paid his taxes. He was a good businessman. That wasn't the problem. So why was this man a fool, as we're going to find out? First of all, he misunderstood where his wealth had come from which is why he misused the wealth that God had given him. Go on, if you will, through verse 17 and verse 18. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. 
And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. So he, uh, he misunderstood where his wealth had come from, which is why he misused his wealth. If you had asked him where his wealth came from, he would have said, I worked hard for it. I earned it. I labored for it. After all, he was the one who plowed the fields. He was the one who planted the grain. He was the one who tended the soil. He was the one who gathered the harvest. But that's not the way Jesus saw it. Notice Jesus didn't say that a certain man worked very hard and accumulated a great fortune. Go back to verse 16 and notice what he says. Verse 16 he says, he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. I don't care which version you read it in, it's the land that produced plentifully. In other words, it was God who had given him his harvest. It was God who had given him his money. The problem wasn't that he had money. The problem was that he worshipped money, and he had replaced the eternal God with a material God. To put it another way, the problem wasn't this man, that this man had money. The problem was that he loved money. And that's why you read there in verse 17, notice, he thought to himself, what shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops. Now, first of all, this man was talking to the wrong person. Because notice what it says, he thought to himself. Not once do we see that he ever consulted God, God, what do you want me to do with you, what you have blessed me with? So we begin to see more into his character when we see that he thought within himself. All he cared about was how he could support his addiction to things. In verses 17 through 19, you'll notice that 11 times he uses the first-person pronouns of I or my referring to himself. Not once do you hear him talking about others. It's all I, I, I. It's all my, my, my. This man couldn't see that the God who gave him all of this wealth. He couldn't see those around him who needed help. This man was corrupted by greed. So here was this man who had more crops than he could ever need, more food than he would ever eat, more money than he could ever spend. But what did he want? More more. His greed had totally corrupted him. And so he did the only thing that he knew to do. He said, I will do this. I'll tear down my barns. Verse 18, I'll build larger ones and there I'll store all my grain and my goods. And verse 19 he says, and I will say to my soul, soul you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. This was a man who was living for self and self alone. He had no time for friends, had no time for family, no time for faith. He, he only had time for finances. He was so wrapped up in himself. When you looked at this man's life, you saw that it revolved around barns and buildings and budgets and how much money he had in his, in his account. He was caught, if you will, in this maze of materialism. And the problem was this man thought that his security was his money. He wanted to hold on to everything he had so he could guarantee his future. But Job already has told us in, in Job chapter 31 and verse 24, he says, If I have made gold my trust or called fine gold my confidence, verse 28 says, This also would be an iniquity to be punished by the judges, for I would have been false to God Above. That's exactly why God calls this man a fool. This man was trying to satisfy his soul with things. But notice verse 20. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? That's a dangerous thing to call anybody a fool. But in the Bible we find that God calls three kinds of people fools. He calls the atheist a fool in Psalm 14, verse 1, when he says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. 
Then God calls the humanist a fool in Proverbs 14, verse 9. Fools mock at the guilt offering or at sin, but the upright enjoy acceptance. And then here God calls those who are caught up in materialism a fool. Only a fool thinks that he can satisfy his soul with things. So here was a man who thought, I've got many years to live. And, and he didn't yet have another day. This man had probably kept many appointments that day, but he was unprepared for the most important appointment that every single one of us have to keep. Because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, and as it is appointed for man to die once, and after this comes the judgment. Understand this. The only thing certain about life is death. My grandmother used to always tell us as kids, the only thing I got to do is die and pay taxes. And that's true sometimes, but for every single one of us is death. That's one thing that is certain. He thought he was going to live forever, but that wasn't going to happen. None of us live forever. And that very night, death says, your soul is required of you. Now, now that term required there is a fascinating term because it's a commercial term. It's a banking term that literally means to call in a loan. Now, we don't like to hear from the, from the debt collectors, but that's what this is, is the debt collector calling in the loan. Did you know that your life is not your own? It's on loan from God, and God can call that loan anytime he chooses. Notice that God didn't ask for his silver. God asked for his soul. And one of these days, that bony hand of death is going to knock on the door of your heart, and he's going to collect the soul that belongs to God. When he knocks on your door, he's not going to ask for your wallet. He's not going to ask for your checkbook. He's not going to ask for your credit cards or, or your 401, 3Ks, whatever, 401Ks. He's going to ask for you. You see, the great tragedy wasn't what was left behind, but what lay before for this man. This man worked all of his life for everything. And he died without anything. Somebody has said that money talks, and it does. It says goodbye, sometimes faster than we can like it to. But be sensitive to what you want. Be satisfied with what you have. And then thirdly, be serious about where you're going. Because notice what verse 21 says. Jesus has told this story out of a question that came from a gentleman who wanted him to settle a dispute about an inheritance. He lays out the principle, then he tells the parable, and then he comes back around to say this. Here's the sum of it all. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Who did Jesus tell this story for? Listen carefully. Every one of us are doing one of two things. We're either laying up treasures for ourselves, and, and when it comes to God, we're going to die dirt poor, or we're literally becoming rich towards God. Let me give you some good news. I can't guarantee that you'll live rich, but I can guarantee that, that if you'll be sensitive to what you want, if you'll be satisfied with what you have, uh, and if you'll be serious about where you're going, then you can die rich in what matters the most, being rich in Christ. Now think about this man one more time. He had everything that money could buy, but he didn't have anything that money couldn't buy. If you want to know how rich you really are, then add up everything that money can't buy, everything that thieves can't steal, everything that death can't take away, and that's how rich you really are. The truly rich person is the person who is rich towards God. And so you know what it means to be rich toward God? It means that God is preeminent in your life. He is first in your life. He is more important than anything or anything anyone else in this world. It means that he is present as your Lord. He's in complete control of all you have and all that you are. And it means that he is predominant as your love. 
It means that you love him and you love him with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength. And he is more important than anything else this world affords today. Even if you could gain the whole world, know this, the world would never be enough. But God is. That's why with what God gives us, let us be careful that we're sensitive to what we want, satisfied with what we have, and serious about where we're going so that we might be rich towards God and be able to overcome covetousness in our heart and in our life. Jesus is all there is. Trust in him. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Because so often, Lord, we get caught up in the things of this world. We get focused on the day-to-day -day grind. We get focused on making enough to retire. We get focused on having enough uh, to leave as an inheritance for the kids that we forget about sometimes what is the most important. But there is nothing that this world affords to us today that is more important than Jesus Christ. Uh, Father, we, we see in this passage, and I pray that we have understood this morning that this is not a condemnation about uh, growing in our wealth and being prosperous in the things we do and working hard to gain, but making sure we keep all of those things in the proper perspective that you're first and you're foremost and, and that we're looking to honor you with everything that we have and that we're satisfied that if, if everything was to, to fall out of the market tomorrow and, and we were to lose everything we had financially, material, we would be satisfied with what's left, you, each other, our kids, family, those things are what matter most. And so, Father, I pray that you'll help us to seek and to, to make a difference in this world for eternity because that's where we're to be laying up our treasures. That's where things will last forever. When we're witnessing to others and we're sharing the gospel with others and, and they're getting saved, that's the treasure that we're laying up in heaven. Being an example, living the example of Christ before others that they might be impacted by our very lives. Lord, bless this message this morning because this area of covetousness is so much deeper than even just the materialistic. It really gets to the core of our heart about what's most important for us. Is it this world or is it Jesus? Is it the Powerball or is it just trusting in you to provide what we need? Lord, bless us this morning. Free us, Lord, from the shackles of materialism. Father, I pray that you'll free those this morning who have never trusted in faith in Jesus as our Lord and their Savior. May they call out today, God, and say, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. Lord, may they come to publicly accept Christ as their Lord and Savior and profess that uh, publicly to others. Father, I pray that your will will be done. Lord, maybe there are those of us who are here as believers and we've let the materialism, the deceitfulness of riches choke out the Word of God in our hearts and we're not where we need to be spiritually with you. So Lord, bring us back to that place. And Lord, I pray that we'll come to repentance also. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our sin. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Brother Mike, come and lead us in our hymn invitation, number 311. As we stand, as we sing, will you make your way and come as the Lord lays on your heart today? If you are tired of the load of your sin, let Jesus come in.
it's for purity now that you sigh let jesus come into your heart fountains for cleansing are flowing nearby let jesus come into Now with doubtings dear Lord, just now reject him no more, just now throw open the door, let Jesus come in. I just wanted to remind everybody of Prime Timers this Tuesday on November the 8th, and there's a list on the board to sign up. Uh, we're going to have a remembrance table for our favorite veterans, and I just wanted you to bring a picture of your favorite veteran to put on that table. And be sure to sign up, and we're going to have turkey and dressing and all the fixings, so it's going to be a good meal. And I think everybody's going to enjoy the program. It's going to be a very interesting story about another veteran who is finally brought home and laid to rest. So sign up. Good morning. Uh, I just have some announcements about Operation Christmas Child. Uh, if you've been gathering things and wanting to bring them to church for our packing party that we do with the children in Awana, we will start packing on Wednesday night. Uh, depending on how much we have, that may be the only night we pack. So if you've got it, if you can get it to church before Wednesday night, we will get it in a shoebox. Uh, we have boxes on the stage over here and over here if you want to pack your own personal box. We encourage you to take those home and then bring them back uh, before collection week. And then on the sign-up sheet board outside of Matt, Pastor Matt's office on the mission, missions board is a sign-up sheet for you to come and help work during collection week. Uh, it will give your heart a blessing to see other people bring shoeboxes in and sometimes how many they bring just being a small person. Uh, it starts Monday the 14th, goes through Monday the 21st. There's also a place for you to sign up if you want to help load those trucks. That's a lot of fun. Should be better than last year. We have a whole lot more cartons to put them in than we did last year. Thank you. I encourage you to read your bulletin. But I do want to call attention to two things, and just because they are happening today. Ladies, remember the bridal tea today for Katie Locke, bridal elector Kyle Snell, this afternoon at 3 o'clock in the Ministry Center. Number two, remember evening services tonight at 6 o'clock. Pastor Jim's going to talk about overcoming weary. So if you can make it tonight, please be here. Two announcements that are not in the bulletin. Uh, Buildings and Grounds Committee will meet Thursday at 5.30 of this week. And the Missions Committee will meet uh, today immediately after the service here, okay, in the conference room. And then I encourage you to, if you do not have a prayer list from last Wednesday night, there should be some across from the pastor's office. Please pick one of those up. Uh, a lot of good information is concerning people who we need to be in special prayer for this week. Uh, I just then was informed that Leanne Wills' uh, grandmother is in the hospital, seriously ill, so we need to remember Leanne. Uh, and also, Ricky German uh, had surgery this week and uh, is, is uh, recovering. So I'm sure there's others. So. Please, if you can, get a prayer list and look at the, all the people that's on the prayer list, okay? Any other announcements from anyone? Prime Timers Tuesday, Brian. Thank you. Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer, please. And most gracious and heavenly Father, as we humbly come to you in prayer at the close of this service, we just thank you once again for this Lord's Day. We thank you for all our many, many blessings, and we just 
Thank you for each person here this morning, Heavenly Father, in this special time that we have come together to worship and hear your word. You didn't want to lift up all our prayer concerns at this time, Heavenly Father, those that are spoken, those that are unspoken. And we just, uh, as always, just thank you for loving us so very, very much. May we, as we go into this week, Heavenly Father, may we certainly every day pray for our nation, pray for our church, and pray for each other. And as we do this, we just want to thank you for the privilege of prayer, the power of prayer, and for hearing our prayers. For Christ's holy name we do pray. Amen. <clears throat> 